0: To all my moms moving on, I have something amazing for you. If you're ready to move on from your engagement ring, the experts at Worthy can help you turn it into cash. Fast and risk-free, Worthy does all the work and their competitive auctions get you the best deal possible. Over 45,000 people have already moved on with Worthy. Are you ready to move on too? Visit worthy.com slash moms to get an extra $100 when your jewelry sells for over $1,500. That's worthy.com slash moms for a special bonus offer just for the Moms Moving On community. This week on Moms Moving On, it's a
1: fear that you feel so real that people that haven't experienced any level of abuse really can't understand. People will say, just leave or just call a lawyer. What are you afraid of? And it's an inexplicable feeling for that victim to have that fear and only people that can truly understand it or a qualified professional You know whether it's a psychologist or psychiatrist or counselor or social worker can really get to the nuance and when i talk to clients or um, other people that need my help i tell them you know there's no judgment this is all in your time you know if if your safety is at risk I, i i implore them to tell me because i can help walk them through it i can hold their hand through
0: the whole process Life moves on, so why shouldn't we? This is Michelle dempsey Moltak, your host of Moms Moving On, navigating divorce, co-parenting, single motherhood, and moving on. Hi, guys. We're back with another Moms Moving On, and I'm loving the momentum we have. We're just churning out these episodes because there are so many amazing guests to hear from, like the one we have today. She's this fantastic woman who stumbled onto my path somehow. She's the founder and managing partner of the Cronin Law Firm. Her name is Sabrina Shaheen Cronin. And since 1993, she's been practicing law and has been running her own full-service law firm for the better part of the last decade. And now she's expanding her work into the realm of family coaching, offering workshops and personal counseling to families undergoing stressful changes. And she's also giving herself to be able to provide families navigating the waters of separation, divorce, and co-parenting the type of roadmap and information they would need that they may not have otherwise had access to. She's from the Midwest, kind of. She's in Bloomfield Hills. I don't know if you'd consider that the Midwest, but she's fantastic. And she is breaking out into helping so many people. Today, we're going to be talking about a sore subject and a painful topic for lots and lots of divorcing moms. We're going to be talking about leaving an abusive relationship. Sabrina, thank you so much for being here.
1: Michelle, thank you so much for having me. It's been
0: uh, a pleasure already. <laughs> I'm glad we've connected and I'm glad you're here, but why don't you tell everybody like the, the Sabrina story?
1: Oh, wow. Well, uh, <laughs> the Sabrina story is quite long, but uh, I just really love what I do. I love helping people. I love serving. I find that it's in serving that we really find ourselves and we can also help this, the parts of ourselves that, that need, you know, the fine tuning and need the work through serving others. And I found my way into this path sort of, you know, Haphazardly, I was a music major in undergrad and uh, I did a lot of performing. I was a professional musician um, and uh, I went to law school and I was living in New York for a little while and I decided that um, I really wanted to get back to uh, Michigan and um, I, I had gone to New York to do more of the performing arts. But I really just wanted to go back to Michigan and, you know, go to school and help people in the back end because I saw a lot of talent sort of being taken advantage of and not really being treated well in the industry. And uh, so I thought I could serve other people better that way. And and I've always done music. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I love when you capture, you know, when you see there's a need and you're able to shift yourself to be able to give more. I think that speaks volumes to your character.
1: Thank you. It's it's just, you know, dreams kind of change and as life changes. And then once I started having children, my dream of performing and doing a lot of my recording kind of, you know, fell back a little bit. I was really focusing all my energy into having kids and raising children and caring for them. And, uh, I had some family members too, that I was caring for some, some elderly, sick elderly people. And, um, and I just focused really on my law firm. My firm started about 10 years ago and I had no grand plan to do it. I just slowly started, you know, helping people and taking a client here and there. I had always practiced law over the years, you know, ever since school, um, while I was really pursuing music, but, um, you know, I, I really got into my law firm and I just kept helping more and more people and I needed help along the way. So authentically and organically, my firm just kind of grew. So, um, and I've been now into
0: family law. You weren't always a family law attorney.
1: No, when I started initially, I was doing a lot of litigation, but really family law is litigation. And I think, a lot of people don't understand that when they first want a divorce, they don't realize, wow, I have to file a complaint. You know, the other side answers, it's definitely litigation. There's a lot of discovery. Um, It can be very, very acrimonious and uh, painful. Um, And so I've done a lot of civil litigation. I also was a uh, prosecutor for Oakland County, an assistant prosecuting attorney there. So I have a lot of criminal experience as well. So I help criminal uh, defendants with cases. I do a lot of juvenile and neglect work, uh, probate work, family law, and also still civil litigation. So my firm was founded on the premise that I was able to do a lot of different types of work because in my career, that spanned longer than I want to admit, I had done a lot of different types of work. And Um, I just had a lot of friends and other people would just refer work to me. And like I said, that's kind of how it organically grew. And I didn't have a plan to have this firm, but I'm very blessed and I love that I have it. And, you know, we serve a lot of people and I do now primarily family law with um, business, you know, as well. A lot of my clients have large businesses that they have to split a lot of assets typically. And I do a lot of family law and um, my firm, however, does a lot of personal injuries,
0: civil litigation, estate planning, and I still do some criminal defense. Well, it's interesting to me that you have the family background and the criminal background, because as we get into talking about physical abuse in domestic violence in the home, um, it must be really helpful for your clients that you have sort of the knowledge on both ends and, and what's to come should a client want to take action or just leave a bad situation unfortunately more and more women are coming forward and talking about abuse in the home domestic violence whether it's um to the spouse from the other spouse or involving the children and i've seen such a rise in, of in domestic violence at least here in miami during the pandemic is this something you're seeing up in chicago as well
1: yes um Actually, Michigan. And, I, and I'm, I'm in Michigan. Michigan yeah. No, that's okay. Um, and we are the Midwest, proudly. you know, we love being here in the Midwest. But during the initial phase of the pandemic, when the initial stay home orders were set in place last year, yes, there was a huge uprise in violent cases, um, domestic assaults, uh, not even domestic necessarily, but a lot of criminal assaults. People were just I think at wit's end. And then it sort of went into a little lull last summer, fall. But then now as, as it's continued and it's this is, has been our normalcy now for the last year, I think people are just, they don't know what to do. Their backs are pushed against the wall. The stress is at an all-time high. Their businesses are failing. Money is tight. And people have been much more aggressive and assaultive I mean, I see it even in the grocery stores or driving, you know, if people get so incensed if you're not doing something that they think you should be doing relative right. to COVID rules, you know, and um, it's it's become a very violent and aggressive environment, for sure.
0: Well, I I can't tell you how many women reach out to me. And, you know, I know that I've put myself in a position to become sort of an emotional touchstone for women going through divorce. But when it comes to issues of, of abuse, it's it's that much more. It, it makes so much more of an impact on me because I know if it's hard to leave a not abusive marriage, it is that much harder to leave a marriage with when there's abuse. Because, for example, the woman the women I speak to, I'll always advise that you need to speak to an attorney. Well, what if my husband finds out? It's going to get so much worse. So, what would you what would you advise to that woman who is scared to even learn her options for fear that her husband or, or partner might find out?
1: Michelle, I know how hard that is. It's, it's a fear that you feel so real that people that haven't experienced any level of abuse really can't understand. People will say, just leave or just call a lawyer. What are you afraid of? And It's, it's an inexplicable feeling for that victim to have that fear and only people that can truly understand it or a qualified professional, you know, whether it's a psychologist or psychiatrist or counselor or social worker can really get to the nuance. And when I talk to clients or um, other people that need my help, I tell them, you know, there's no judgment. This is all in your time. You know, if, if your safety is at risk, I, I I implore them to tell me because I can help walk them through it. I can hold their hand through the whole process because there are other steps that we have to take when there is a violent nature you know that kind of a relationship but abuse can take all forms you know we have sexual abuse we have financial abuse we have emotional and verbal abuse you know obviously the physical abuse you know and then there's sometimes more abuse relative to your social identity or the you know nationality or you know your where you come from your culture so there's lots of different types of abuse and a lot of times the victim is a, you know, the victim of many different layers and types of abuse, right? Absolutely. It's not just one. Right. But if, if there are many different elements of abuse and you might not have that physical, it's very hard for that victim to be able to talk about it to other people because, and I'm going to use just the pronoun she, just because that's predominantly, you know, what we're talking about here. When, when she's been abused she herself has been through such a mental torture. She herself doesn't believe it. There's a lot of gaslighting going along, going on. Absolutely. There's, you know, manipulation. And so she's questioning her own sanity. She thinks she's messed up or crazy and her spouse is making her feel that way more and more. And then she's afraid other people might not see her side or she is not sure. And there's been so much isolation, you know, and some of that isolation is really either perpetuated because the abuser does that or the victim is doing that because she's so afraid and and oftentimes those types of abusers are very charismatic and they're very social and people on the outside world would think I don't I couldn't picture
0: him being that way and he's so social. He's so nice. He's so, you know, he's the oh, life he's of the party. Close. And then, and it's unfortunate because the people you're trying to share your information to are probably going to be the people closest to you who never in a million years could imagine this guy being anything other than like Prince Charming. And that in itself makes you almost question yourself. Like, well, if everybody else thinks he's so great, then why am I having these issues? It's, it's terrible. I've seen it so much. Yes, for sure.
1: And usually, you know, those are the kinds of people that are the, the liars and the cheaters. And, you know, they, they, have you know, that victim is the one having to, you know, go through multiple affairs, you know, all the while, every single time there's an affair, the person, the abuser is the one making the woman feel like she's the crazy one. She's oh imagining God. it and I'm not doing it, even though there's all this tangible evidence, right? I mean, there's, so there's so many layers to it, but it's a process. The the woman really needs to start working on herself, you know, gaining that self-esteem back little by little. And as she does that, you know, then she'll have the strength to believe in herself, despite what the outside world, you know, may or may not be telling her, including her own spouse. And whether there's children involved, that's a whole other element, you know, because there's guilt of leaving the family or guilt of tearing the family apart and, You know, but I tell my clients in that instance, the children, what's right for you will be right for them. And they need to see a solid,
0: strong woman who's in charge of her life. That is the most important message that I give all my clients because, you know, I can't guarantee how your children are going to feel. But I can guarantee that if you feel safe and secure and confident in your choices, they're Mm going to be that much more empowered and and connected and secure. And it just, you know, our children really look to us for how to feel. And that's where a lot of the women come to me and they're like, I don't want my kids witnessing in the home anymore, whether it's physical or emotional abuse, you know, both are just as impactful for children and kids take their cues from how relationships should be based on what they see in the home. And that's what really becomes a tipping point for so many women. For them, it's My kids are watching, I gotta do better. They're calling it the Bible for all divorcing moms. I can't believe it, but that's what they've said about my book, Moms Moving On, real life advice on conquering divorce, co-parenting through conflict, and becoming your best self. Moms Moving On is filled with practical, actionable, and empowering advice from someone who's been through it and come out on the other side, me, through inspirational stories, rituals, journal prompts, and my guidance, you'll learn how to navigate your divorce with confidence, adjust to life as a single mom, shift your perspective to find your way back to your best self, and create the life you truly deserve. It's available in paperback, hardcover, audiobook, and Kindle. So go get my book. I promise you won't regret it. How would you advise a woman who was in a situation where there is abuse present, what are the first steps she should take in order to getting herself out safely?
1: If there's physical abuse and she needs to get out safely, then, well, first of all, she could file a PPO. But she has to have steps in place, um, a plan. When there's physical violence, a plan is mandatory because as soon as she tells her spouse, the abuser, that she's leaving, then. Statistically speaking, chances of more violence upon her are much greater. And even after she leaves, that is when violence gets to be an all-time high. So there has to be a plan in place where she knows where she's going, whether she's hired a lawyer or not. I, I would recommend that a lawyer be hired, a PPO be filed immediately. Um you know, and and it would be good if they could do it, boom, boom, like the PPO and the complaint for divorce, like right together. Um, Because timing is very important to these things and make sure she has a place to go, make sure she packs up all of her things that are necessary for she and her children to live for a while. So she doesn't have to go back to that residence, you know, all of her you know, the paperwork that she needs, whether it's, you know, the bills, the mortgage statements, her financial documents, passports. I highly recommend passports if the children have any passports, birth certificates, medical records, you know, safety deposit box keys, whatever it is that she needs um, that will ensure her safety and the fact that she doesn't have to go back there for any of these important papers is, you know, very crucial. And then once she finds a safe place to stay, whether it's with a, you know, a a family member, a friend or a women's shelter, then, you know, she's going to need to start thinking about income. So she should have saved money up until then or find a way to get money. And if a man, if one of the abusive styles is the economic control that can be very hard. So the lawyer would have by then filed a motion for attorney's fees or status quo,
0: a way for her to get money during the pendency of the divorce. So something that frightens a lot of people who are about to leave an abusive relationship um, is the fact that they think no one will believe them. What if I go to court and they think I'm making it up or his lawyer decides to just say that I'm crazy and that I'm a liar. I've seen it happen and I've heard of women being in these situations, but more than that, this is the fear that holds everybody back. What can a woman do to sort of prove the the pain that she's dealing with?
1: So Michelle, that's, that's, you have to show that in order to show for, for a PPO here in Michigan, you have to show an imminent danger to yourself. You feel that imminent harm and you have to sometimes prove that whether the police were contacted Um, you know, oftentimes if a woman is showing bruises, you know, she'll get pictures, a police report will be done, or maybe, you know, sadly, you know, hospital stay or an ER visit, that's the tangible proof. But if you've been a victim of emotional, verbal, psychological abuse for many, many years, those are the things that you cannot get a PPO for, unfortunately, and that's when women feel at their all-time lowest because their self-esteem is shattered. They don't know how to prove it. They've been gaslighted for so long. They don't know if they're crazy or their spouse is. I mean, it's, that's why I highly encourage everyone that needs it. And, and, I, and everyone in this situation really needs it because if you had enough confidence, you would have left that situation. You need to get help. You need to find it within yourself to get help to talk to someone objective that you can trust that, you know, has your back and support, whether it's a paid professional or a volunteer, but you definitely need that support system to continue to get that inner strength to move forward. And you need, and and, and I highly encourage those women to
0: continue with therapy so that they do not repeat the pattern. Yes. It's the most important part. Once you're out, the healing begins, right? And that's where you need to start is making sure that there is no sort of trauma that's going to bind you to somebody else with the same type of behaviors because it feels comfortable or it feels normal, as sad as that sounds.
1: It is. A lot of women get into the similar relationship. And maybe on the outside, that person looks different or originally, or, you know, initially it's different. But if that woman has not done the hard work on herself, that pattern will re- will repeat. And it will repeat and repeat and repeat until she learns that lesson. And so she needs to continue to work on herself. And really that can take years and
0: years. Yeah, but that's, that's definitely part two. That, and that's, you, you know- where you can find so much support once you've taken that brave and big step to move on. Then there's so many ways to help you move past this phase in your life and create a totally new one. But another thing that comes up for me and and for the women that I work with, a lot of times their lawyers will advise, like you said, have a plan, have a place to go, take your kids, set yourselves up so that when you do drop the news, like this relationship is over, you're safe. What happens in this situation with the kids? If this person is physically abusive, is there a way to protect your children from that? Or do they sort of just have to get used to co-parenting lifestyles regardless? How does that work?
1: Sometimes, Michelle, it depends on the state. Mm -hmm. Um, And sometimes it depends on whether that abuse was done to the children also and or in front of the children Onto the mom, or from you know, from the father to the mother, or one parent to the other, if that state, you know, if, if there are, is a state that honors same-sex marriages. It it's it depends on the state. In Michigan, I know that if the abuse is done on the mom, I have seen judges, and this is in my opinion, despicable. I have seen judges think that once that element is out, meaning the mother and father have divorced, then that judge has granted joint custody. Even though, you know, if the propensity to do it on the parents, you know, from the father to the mother, you know, it's only a matter of time, you know, that he will probably do it on the children, especially as they get older. Um, th- there's a higher probability. I don't want to say, you know, there will be for sure, but there's a higher probability because that's how he manages to cope and his stress and all of that. And, you know, there's a, there's a saying and, you know, how he does one thing is how he does all things. And, you know, if, if there is that element of abuse among the adults, then that will transport, typically either in a verbal abusive situation, emotional, or even physical against the children. You can argue and fight and go to trial or mediation to show that this dad or this whichever parent is abusive, typically it's the father, um, should not have joint custody or should have limited custody or supervised parenting time. You can argue for all that. And the likelihood of success really depends on what you can
0: prove and which state you're in, and sometimes which judge you get. Do you find it helpful for, because um, I'm a big believer in just documenting things, do you find it helpful if a client comes to you and says, here are the incidents, here's what happened? Does that really hold its weight in court?
1: Yes. It's very hard to refute a calendar, and I say that often. And even Great with it. a lot of our post-judgment cases, and it's harder said than done, you know? I mean, it's easier said than done, sorry. Um, it's 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 easy to say, keep a calendar, but when you're in the moment, sometimes it's tough. And especially if you're busy with kids and jobs and running around and activities. But I, I want everyone listening to your show to keep a calendar um, leading up to the divorce and even, you know, post-judgment. Post-judgment means once the judgment is entered, my law firm specializes in post-judgment matters because we kind of, clean up a lot of the messes that were left from other attorneys that perhaps they weren't specific enough or detailed enough in their judgments. So we see a lot of post-judgment cases. And what we say is keep an accurate, keep a calendar, even if it's just one or two lines, but that way it's an accurate recountment of the day, the time,
0: what happened, when. And those are very, very hard to refute. And and also um, the notes section in your phone is fantastic for that too. I've used that to document so many things, not even related to my marriage or my ex-marriage, but, you know, just voice note it. Hey, April 20, whatever, this happens. He didn't come to pick up the kids when he said he would. And then this is what what became of that. So even if you use the notes in your phone, if, if keeping the calendar sounds like too much, or you're afraid somebody might find it, It's so helpful to be able to say or not have to sit and rack your brain and think of that one time and then you forget the other time. I I think that's something that everybody should be doing, especially if you're getting ready to leave a marriage abusive or not. Exactly. And, you know, I have clients that,
1: you know, it's, it's everyone, it's personal and people leave marriages for different reasons. Sometimes I see, you know, people leaving a marriage for something that seems really Minor, and then other times I see people staying in marriages that are uh, horrible and deplorable, and you know it's it's really a scale of that person's, you know,
0: ability to just take it. Sometimes people take too much, right? And or um, ability to, to to take steps to make their lives better out of fear, which is where I come in all the time, and I'm ha- I'm so happy to make that difference.
1: Yeah, right, and um you know, and so sometimes it's the, uh, the, the abuser or the cheater, you know, that ends up ultimately leaving the marriage. And then I, you know, I see women who are just devastated, even though they've put up with years and years of abuse and years and years of infidelity. And, you know, and, and you have to really help those women get along too. I mean, the same exact way, they need the help, they need the protection, they need the guidance. And it's, it's, it's a long road for either one. And, and I tell every client, even in the best of circumstances, divorce is hard. And, you know, I highly encourage, even in a terrible situation like that, you can't take your anger out on your children you, or use your children as pawns. You have to learn to forgive and and, and let go of all of that hurt. And because you have to get on with your life.
0: Yeah. And you deserve to get on with your life and you, and you deserve, deserve to safely and, and not worry for your mental or physical well-being. Um, well, this has been really, really great. The advice has been phenomenal and it's been something I wanted to talk about for a really long time. So I'm happy I saved it for you. We always like to end each podcast with asking if there were one piece of advice you can give to a woman who was gearing up to leave her marriage or who has just left, what would it be?
1: Just know that the feelings you're feeling now, you know, whether it's pain or sadness or guilt or shame, you know, those feelings will pass. And this is the beginning of a new phase and a great phase. And nothing has meaning except the meaning you give it. You are a creator of your life. You can create the next phase to be the most amazing phase. And instead of being sad, be excited once you heal. And you can just create the most beautiful vision for yourself, your life and, and live it to the fullest because this is all we have, you know? We can't recreate the past, but focus on your future and be so excited about creating your best life yet.
0: I love that. That is so beautiful. That's sort of like my mantra for every day, right? Like if I could change the past, I would have, but then I wouldn't be the person I am now. And I, and I like who I am now. So I think that's really great advice. Where can everybody find you if they have more questions or just want to get to know more about you? Well, I work,
1: as you said, in Bloomfield Hills, Michigan. And my firm is the Cronin Law Firm. And they can call, actually, it's right behind me. I didn't even realize that. 855 (laughs) call Cronin, uh, which is 248 258 3500. That's the local number. um, Or the Cronin Law Firm, you know, dot com. And
0: uh, please call me anytime. I love it. And I love that you can give um, experienced advice and guidance as a co-parenting mom of three yes. children. So who better to advise you than someone who's actually like living it and doing it? I, I think that's the best place to turn is someone who's been there.
1: I've definitely been there in more ways than one. and I And I truly care about people and my clients and everybody deserves happiness.
0: Everybody. Amen. You deserve happiness. Thank you so much for listening, you guys. We'll be back again soon. You know we will, and uh, don't forget to leave a review. Your reviews really help us climb the ranks of of the endless podcasts out there. So drop one of those, and I will be very grateful. See everyone soon. So you want to be a divorce coach, but the term divorce coach is a broad one because there is just so much you can cover in the world of moving on. Maybe you find yourself gravitating towards clients with high conflict co-parents, or perhaps you have a knack for helping women pull themselves out of bed when they feel overwhelmed with single mom responsibilities. No matter your ideal client, the one thread that will unite them all is that they're moms, and moms need a different level of support when it comes to divorce coaching. With my Moving On Method, you'll not only learn how to best support a client through their divorce, you'll also learn how to help support them as they transition into their new role as co-parents and managing a coaching business. I'm Michelle Dempsey-Multak, Certified Divorce and Co-Parenting Specialist, and I founded the Moving On Method after years of working with clients from all over the world and seeing them all struggle with the same issues. In this training, you'll learn my five principles for helping a client with their moving on process, along with how to make your practice successful. Visit momsmovingon.com today to apply for my program. Thank you for joining us on today's episode of Moms Moving On. I hope you found today's episode to be helpful, inspiring, and give you the advice you need to feel empowered and strong as you move on. Don't forget to come say hi on Instagram at the Michelle Dempsey and drop us a line if there's a specific topic or subject you'd like us to discuss. Thanks. Stay strong.